Welcome back to the fourth episode of the Kurt and Andy Educational Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk McKnighter. Hi, and I'm your co-host, Drew Lazara. Drew, it's already episode four. We're coming up to the end of the semester here. What are your thoughts on how this semester's gone and where the time has gone? Episode four, I mean, uh, for one, I'm, I'm surprised and humbled that I haven't been replaced yet. I'm, I'm on my fourth episode, so that's great. We don't have any backup for you, so you're, you're stuck. <laughs> Well, thank you for that that uh, vote of confidence. No, you know, I'm somebody that that generally likes change and a challenge, and uh, this semester has been a challenge. You know, from trying to connect with students to try to wrap my head around being the dean. You know, during this this challenging year, you know, it's um, it's been an experience. It's not what I expected it was going to be when when I was offered the deanship last year, um, but. Nonetheless, it's been valuable. And like we've talked about in previous episodes, I'm just trying to make the most of it and and be grateful every day for for the opportunities and, and my health, you know, and, and relationships that, that I am able to build this year. Yeah, it's been a been an adventure for sure. And it's, it's been humbling to see so many people like yourself and our staff here and just people in general and my, my children's teachers and the community just keep rolling with things and putting their best foot forward. In our first three episodes, we had some some really reflective and thoughtful interviews and conversations just about our current state of affairs. And with that in mind, our episode today is going to be interviewing a gentleman named Sean Sullivan and will be the first part in an ongoing series that we're calling The Journey. And the thought here, Drew, is that the people that we're going to interview have a very interesting life experience or story that I think our listeners might take something away from, just appreciation, so to speak. So this episode is part one of the journey, and we still have a lot of talk uh, topics, as, as you and I have talked about and planned for, to unpack. But ultimately, the interview is the main part because it's the journey that Sean Sullivan, you know, hopefully will talk about that I think will guide the show in terms of its topic. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've talked up Sean. I don't. I personally don't know him yet, um, but I'm really looking forward to hearing from him. So Sean and I first met back when we were seniors in high school. We had both signed scholarships to run at UIC. And I remember watching him run in the state meet in 1997. He was the Class A state champ. He went to Bishop McNamara High School. And then we ended up being uh, teammates for three years at UIC. Okay. And bonded our freshman year. And he's, he's a really humble great guy and has been a good friend throughout the years, but he's one of those friends you and I have talked about. I'm sure other people can relate to that. You can just pick up right wherever you left off. Like Sean and I don't have the relationship that we, we have to talk all the time or see each other all the time. But as soon as we do see each other talk, it's, it's just like old times again. And, and we have this mutual respect that we're both living our, our best lives, right. And our full lives. And so I appreciate relationships like that with people like Sean, that there's not an added, I guess, expectation mm-hmm. that you know we, we, we trust each other and value each other. And he's got four kids and is an associate athletic director at Ball State University. His wife uh, is, I think, an associate director. I don't know if that title is correct at Butler University. So they're they're busy, you know, and four kids and doing great things. And, and he knows that, you know, I'm busy and my wife's working full time. And so I I've always valued friendships like Sean. Do you have anybody like that in your life? That- oh yeah, I have a friend that I've known since first grade. 
And obviously we've gone, you know, we've gone our, our own paths. He has a family, I have a family, he has a career, but you know, I'll get a call from him and we'll chat for a half hour, you know, like, like we talked yesterday, even if it's been a few months. That's great. Those childhood friendships are amazing to me that they are lasting. Cause you know, when you look back in first grade, it's like I've got a, right. I got a third grader now and I just look, we don't remember watching him as a first grader. And I do think about that stuff that our children could be making those lifelong friendships right now, just like you and I, you know, had those friends too. So it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. It's amazing. So with no further ado, uh, let's jump in to the interview. All right, we're going to welcome our guest for today's episode, Sean Sullivan, to the Kurt and Andy Educational Podcast. Sean, welcome to the show. Hey, grateful to be here. Thank you. Sean, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and uh, what it is you do. Sure. You know, currently residing in Indianapolis, Indiana, but, you know, the journey begins down in Kankakee, Illinois, and growing up there with uh, with my family, attending, you know, small Catholic schools, attending Bishop McNamara High School, and then having the opportunity to continue academically and athletically up at the University of Illinois at Chicago, where our paths crossed, and which I'm you know, always grateful for and uh, studied communications there. Uh, but also, I think for me was good. The academic experience was a positive one at UIC, but I think I probably had more interest and spent more of my efforts on kind of extra extracurriculars, whether that was the cross and track stuff or sports editor of the daily newspaper, the UIC Today, internships with CLTV and Capri events, which puts on large scale endurance events, um, the Chicago Rush, where I ended up working full time. So those were kind of my uh, forays into the the career part of it, kind of getting the feet the feet wet, if you will, and that kind of led to volunteering for the athletic department. In you know back then, as you as you know, we're old now, so that was kind of the advent of, of websites, and so. Older. The old uh, UICflames.com was just starting, so they needed content. So I was able to write just that that relationship building in college and showing that I could write a little bit provided the opportunity to my first job, which was sports information assistant at UIC in the athletic department there. And so two years there, then uh, two years working for the Chicago Rush Arena football team. Went back to UIC as an assistant athletic director for five years and then to Northwestern University for two as the director of marketing there. And then, as I think happens a lot in our industry, in this college athletics uh, sports business world, families begin. And you know, for me, married into another sports family and my wife works in college administration as well. And so she had an opportunity to move from Chicago where she was at Loyola down to Butler, her alma mater, and become an associate athletic director there. And so it made sense for us as a family to, to make that that move. And so for me, resigned from Northwestern and moved to Indy without a job. And so that was a little scary in terms of professional work, but it was the right thing for us. It was a great job. It was a no-brainer. I mean, for her to be 32 and be a senior woman administrator at a D1 school about to enter the Big East, that was that was pretty neat. So uh, moved there, did some entrepreneurial work, uh, still did some teaching of classes, which we can get into, but worked on a side project that was about Dutch-based or Dutch auction strategy ticket sales, and that was kind of kind of crazy for a while. But I had an opportunity, had a friend, actually somebody that we competed against on some level. Uh, he was a track runner at Marquette. Um, he was an intern uh, at the same time that I was an intern at UIC when he was at Loyola, and so he was the deputy athletic director here at Ball State. We connected. There was an opportunity to come here as director of marketing back in 2014, and so I've been here, um, elevated a few different times to the current post of associate athletic director at Ball State University, uh, mainly in our external areas. So marketing, ticket sales, fan engagement, um, licensing, athletic communications, those kind of 
pieces of the sports business industry. And then, you know, the, the two, I guess, side hustles I have are teaching. So I, I'm an adjunct professor at Roosevelt University. Somehow they, they let me teach people, which is crazy. And then secondly, I, I um, so the voice for good dot uh, com has more information on that, but do public address announcing here in Indy for the Indy 11, the USL team at Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, the WNBA's team, the Indiana Fever, and then a host of endurance events uh, like the Chicago Triathlon, Chicago Triathlon, Chicago Marathon. So that's it in a nutshell, Kirk, Andrew. It's a lot, Sean. It's yeah, quite it quite the journey from Bishop McNamara in Kankakee to UIC to, to Indianapolis. How do you find work-life balance? You know, Drew's got small children. I've got I've got two kids, you know, curious, you guys are both driven professionals. What do you specifically do as a family to find a little bit of that balance? Well, for us, I think we just try to take the mindset that there is no balance and that it's just a lifestyle. And if I think, you know, for us to understand that and, and that depending on the time of year or the levels of competitiveness from our teams or the necessity of our roles at different times of the year, we just, we've been able to build a rapport. I, I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like why you, I think you end up seeing in some cases, trends of spouses gravitating toward their own sectors of business, you know, doctors, attracting doctors, teachers, teachers, because they get, they get it, like they get their, what they're doing. And so that's kind of how it is with us. And so, and I think one of the things we like about it, we've been lucky to have great bosses. So athletic directors at all of our stops who have been supportive of families and who are willing to say, Hey, bring your kids with you. <laughs> You know, it's not always that we have like responsibilities at the actual event, right? So let's say there's a, a basketball game at Butler on a Saturday night where my wife works. It's not, she, she needs to be there for her role, but it's not like she has a duty necessarily. She's just there in a support piece. So, so we can all be there together in some cases. And same thing here. If, if we all want to come up here and be together, we can still be together, but still be at work. So we have the best of both worlds there. That's great. That's great. Absolutely. Sean, give me a example of a success story from the last six months of a of a student athlete that you can think of that just made it happen. And how, how did they do that? Do you have any firsthand experiences like that that you can think of? Yeah, I mean, we've had a we had a distance a young woman on the cross country team who was in my office less than a year ago. You know, prior to the pandemic, um, upper class upper classman, ready, you know, very intelligent do well in her studies, knew exactly what she wanted to do and had a, had a tough, you know, tough injury that was borderline, you know, medical DQ, like borderline, this might be it. And, you know, whether it was the break, whether it was not having to go to practice every day and pound, um, you know, all of a sudden come August when we're kind of looking at is our fall sports going to return? Um, and then football returns. And then a week later for us in the Mid-American Conference, cross-country returns. So those were all the only two sports happening. Cross-country gets the go-ahead and all of a sudden, here's here she is and she's competing and contributes at the conference meet a couple of weeks ago, resulting in our you know best finish in more than a decade. And so, I, you know, I asked her, I just said, you know, you know, what do you, what do you think it was? Um, because it, you know, I mean, I just after the meet, I said, this is how crazy is this? That less than a year ago, it was over. Like you, you had essentially ready to turn in the spikes. And she's a spiritual young woman. I think she's put it all together, you know. And so sometimes we we're able to take adversity, or um, in this case, you could you could put your head down and say this pandemic stinks, and we can't 
we're not going to get through it. Or you look at it and you say, okay, here are some opportunities. I don't have these meets. I don't have these practices, but what can I be doing during those times to improve? And sounds like to me that she put her priorities in some new spaces. And it turned out that not only could she competitively improve, I think she's just happier. <laughs> you know, you're just happier when you're able to do what you love. Absolutely. Something that we've talked about is looking for these stories. And our, our last interview in our last episode is the vice president of the, of a local school board. And there certainly have been really positive things that have come out of a very dark time. And I do think it's important that we at least take a minute and think about those things every now and then and recognize them because like you said, adversity causes change. And so that's a great, a great story for any, any young athlete that's listening out there. I think that it is an opportunity to rededicate yourself, to really evaluate what you're doing and uh, to communicate, right? Communication has become critical for, for adults and young adults alike, that if you build relationships with people and communicate clearly and effectively, that people are willing to help. They're willing to be supportive. They're willing to listen. But if you are not able to reach out, then it's going to be a struggle. Drew, you've seen that in the classroom, I'm sure. Most definitely. And yeah, I love that story that, like you said, Kirk, like that, you know, we could take adversity uh, and, and try to make the best of it and be better people as a result of it. Sean, uh, you've experienced a lot of, so you're, you mentioned that you're teaching, uh, you obviously work at a college and you've had some very rich experiences doing public address, uh, you know, Chicago Marathon and Chicago Rush and things like that. What's one memory that you have from those experiences that stands out to you is just like super exciting or something that the average person, you know, maybe would just enjoy hearing? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think as a trying to think, you know, for me, I worked at Northwestern for two years and I didn't do a lot of PA announcing as part of that job. But the things I did get to do, one was just be the PA voice of the women's lacrosse program, which is a perennial national champion. So that was always cool because you're seeing the best of the best, right? I mean, anytime you can witness or um, be part of, of the best of the best of anything, that, that's cool. Um, so that was a national championship program. But I say the one that, you know, Chicagoans can probably appreciate a little bit more uh, is having the ability to do a PA at a, at, an, at a Wrigley Field event. So Northwestern hosted Michigan. And at the time, we had a partnership with the Cubs, Northwestern and the Cubs did. And, and so we hosted Michigan at Wrigley Field. So I had the opportunity to do PA for the Northwestern Michigan game. And so, you know, just haven't been very many people who've been in that PA booth. <laughs> so the ability to, to sit in there and, and, and do that role at that time was very cool. But, uh, you know, the Chicago Marathon is pretty neat. There's a you know three or four person announcing team that does the marathon, and that includes you know a Gene Honda, who everybody is fairly well aware of, does the Blackhawks and, and the White Sox, among others. So that's a neat event. I've I've done international rugby, like the United States versus Wales, out at Toyota Park when it was Toyota Park. I think it's SeatGeek Stadium now. Um, I did the men's the net the NCAA Division One Men's Gymnastics Championships um, at the UIC Pavilion a couple of years back, and maybe. Maybe cooler was emceeing the awards banquet the night before and having Olympians and, you know, gold medalists in the same room at UIC uh, and just kind of the celebration of that sport that has taken a hit over the years and seeing it kind of thrive in that moment, at least. So those would be a couple, you know, I, I think anytime you get to step into a an arena and do something that you love is, is special. So having 
the ability to go to Lucas Oil Stadium and, and announce a game. I've, I've done a Bears game, you know, that, that was very neat doing a Bears-Browns game back in 2013. So all of them are, are cool for me. So I just feel lucky to get to do it. That's great. So final thoughts here. From a, you're a kid from Kankakee who had a gift for running and you've, you've done and seen all these things for the people listening out there, give us one, like, you know, what's, what's a nugget of wisdom from you in terms of people, like wherever they're at right now, you know, how, how do they, how do they move forward? Right. What's, what's your advice to somebody that feels a little bit like not really positive right now, or not really excited or not really sure what the future is going to bring. You've lived it. So what's your, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know if this will be exactly what you're looking for, Kirk, but I'll, I'll just say this, you know, 20, 2010, 2011, you know, even back to 09, you know, I think everybody has a rough patch in life. <laughs> everybody goes through something that is uh, challenging and some, the, the varying levels of, of challenge, it doesn't matter because to you, it's, it's the biggest thing in the world. So in, in 09, I got, I got married to a wonderful human, but my dad passed away the Monday before the wedding. All right. So, um, he dies of a, of a heart attack on a Monday. Um, it's, it's, it's wake Wednesday, funeral Thursday. We do the wedding Friday and then we ship off to Ireland for a honeymoon. And, and then we have a honeymoon baby. So nine months later, I have a, I have a son and then we have a baby 14 months later. So now we have two. And now I take a new job at Northwestern, which was a little bit higher profile, a little more higher pressure. And I didn't handle it well. I was I was in a I, I was battling depression. I was battling anxiety. I, I was in a real bad stuff and essentially had a nervous breakdown. So you ask for help. Luckily I had a boss and a mentor who recognized that and said, Hey, get some, you know, get some help. And so I did that. And so over that process, a few things came out of it. And one was get back to running every day or get back to activity every day, which I had lost a little bit. Um this came a little bit later, but it was a critical component. Journal every day um, and be grateful and talk about what you're grateful for, what's going to be on the agenda the next day, big and little things that you're, that you're grateful for. It just it makes you happier. Meditation. I've, I'm a firm believer in meditating. I try to do it every day. It's been a really key component to me noting things and being present with family. We talk about all this stuff going on in your life. That, that practice has allowed me to understand, and I don't always do a good job of it, but trying to be present with whatever I'm doing, especially around the kids and colleagues and things that I'm doing. And so I think those, those things, activity, meditation, journaling, those have been kind of uh, pieces that have kept me moving forward. And it's helped, I think, just uh, cultivate and catapult my life and our family life. So that's what I'd leave with. Thanks for sharing. That's, that's powerful. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, Sean, uh, I'm proud to be your friend and to have known you for all these years and really appreciate your time and you sharing these stories with us and keep doing what you're doing because you impact a lot of people in a positive way every day. So sincere thanks for being on the podcast and really look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, it's fun for me to do it. Drew, good to meet you. And Kirk, the, the feeling's mutual. I mean, I think back to college years where I, you know, I, I had rough times as a freshman and people like you didn't give up on me and, and helped me. And you were a great teammate, a great building mate, not, not roommate, but building mate. And always be grateful to that. I, I miss, miss seeing you more. Thanks, Sean. We'll have to catch up again soon. All right, buddy. Thanks. Drew, that was your first time meeting Sean Sullivan. What'd you think? I mean, what a fascinating story and a fascinating 
man. Um, you know, he he's done all of these incredible things. He's he's announced like professional games, and he just so nonchalantly talks about them. His life's a lot more interesting than mine. I can say that much. Well, come on now. I don't know that. <laughs> but it, I do. I do appreciate Sean's journey, right? So that was something we talked about at the beginning of the show. That this is part one of talking to people that have a really unique journey, and so you you're picking up some things there that for us just do live in our life. Like it's hard to maybe even imagine that there's somebody like Sean mm-hmm. who's living his life that's really very different on the on the surface, but then internally, what did he talk about? Right? He brought up personal. Uh, struggles and and how he overcame them, which I really appreciate his honesty and vulnerability with that. That's not easy to do. Uh, he talked about helping kids. He talked about being a family man, talked about being a husband and a professional, all the while changing jobs, moving to a new area. Mm-hmm. Those are all very noble things. I know personally, you know, we moved from Bartlett to Hoffman Estates and that was pretty traumatic. Right, right. <laughs> so... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I appreciate what he had to say. I, I, I accept, you know, I really appreciate his vulnerability, as you mentioned, to share what he did at the end of that interview. Drew, to, to conclude the episode today, one of the things we talked about in episode one was that it's important for people to have a takeaway from each episode. So episode one, we talked with Mary-Kate Smith. Episode two, we talked with Jerry James being a reflective practitioner. Mm-hmm. Episode three, we talked with Mary-Kay Prusnick about gratitude. I don't know about you, but I couldn't help but hear elements of all three of those episodes in Sean's interview. What are you taking away from Sean's interview? You know, I think he's he's living proof that what we have been talking about these last few weeks, it works. You know, it's, it sounds like when he was having a rough time in his life that he, he, he made the conscious effort to, to be more reflective and to practice gratitude. You know, like I, I've had my own personal struggles, you know, and, and like he said, it could be big or little, but when you're in it, you're in it. Um, and I, I, I agree that you really have to change your mindset in order to to kind of dig yourself out of those 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 holes you're in. I'm happy for him that he was able to do that because he sounds like a, like an incredible person. Well, thank you for your thoughts. As always, I always appreciate hearing your reflection on what we've experienced because I know Sean, right? So right. it's interesting for me just personally to hear what someone like yourself who's just meeting an interviewee is, is taking away. Episode four is coming to a conclusion here, Drew. Uh, As we move into winter break, we will take a little bit of a pause from recording the show. So the next episode most likely will be published in a few weeks. So thank you for your hard work in episode four and for the previous three episodes. Uh, To our listeners out there, if you've enjoyed the show, again, our goal here is just to give you as the listeners something positive, something different to think about, uh, something to reflect on. And so we really appreciate the feedback that we've gotten so far. So thank you to our listeners for that. And thank you, Kirk. Like this has been something that that I've learned a great deal about. So thanks for keeping me on. It sounds like there's a lot of people in waiting for my my spot. So I appreciate the fact that the applications roll in every day. I appreciate the fact that I'm 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 still part of the part of the show. No, it's been great, man. Thanks for your time. So that's it. It's the end of episode four. Thanks again for listening. Take care of each other. Be safe. Be healthy out there. If you're uh, heading into the holiday season and you celebrate the holidays, have a wonderful holiday and a relaxing break if that's something that's coming your way. If not, I hope you find some time to plan some family time, some vacation time. So take care and thanks again for listening. Thank you, everyone. Be well. Be well.